Welcome to Coming Home with Julian Awad, where we discuss salvation through Jesus Christ, a production of Coming Home Ministries. So did you know that it really actually isn't possible to live without faith? It's true. Think about it. Day in, day out. We can't live without faith. So what is faith? Well, if we go to the Oxford Dictionary, it defines faith as complete trust or confidence in someone or something. It could also be, as a second definition, a strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Think about it. Just in your daily life, you have to have faith in the morning just to even get out of bed. You think about it. If, you, if you're going to start to lean out of bed, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to put your feet down and you're going to have faith that your legs are going to work, that they're not going to turn to jelly and fall underneath you, or that your bones are going to be strong. Or, especially if you live on the second floor, that the floor is not going to collapse below you. Get out of your bed and fall right through the floor. You're going to have faith in the structural engineering that worked last night and hopefully that the builder made. When you walk through a new home or walk to a second level of a home, you're having faith that the structure of that house is going to hold firm. How about when you go downstairs and you get ready to have a bite to eat or some breakfast? You know, you're having faith that your food is not contaminated. You open up that box of cereal You have faith that the cereal is pure and the milk is just milk, and that it followed all the health codes. As our brother, the evangelist Ray Comfort, suggested, you could go out and get a microscope and inspect every single cornflake for purity and the lack of contaminants. But then again, if you did that, you'd have to have faith in the microscopic or the microscope's uh, manufacturer that they manufactured the microscope properly. And you'd have to have faith that the microscope is even working. How about getting into a car? You go outside, you get into a car, you have faith when you start the key that it's going to start right up and the car's not going to explode. And when you start to back up or when you move forward, you're going to have faith that the brakes are going to work. And you're not, you know, getting out and testing the brakes every time you go a few 50 feet or, you know, 100 feet or a few miles. You have faith that the brakes are going to continue to work. More so, you have faith that the other people that are driving cars all around you are going to follow the rules and no one's going to weave into your lane and and have a head-on collision with you. Or being in a plane. We have faith every time we step in a plane that the pilots are going to do the right thing and they know how to fly the plane, that the plane will go up and it will stay in the air. I think about faith all the time when I get into an elevator and when it's going to work, that it was maintained properly by the property management company, that it's been serviced And especially when I get into an elevator with a bunch of kids, because I know, especially if it's my kids, they're going to start jumping up and down as soon as the elevator starts to work. I have faith that those metal cords that are holding us up aren't going to break when kids start to jump up and down and start having fun in an elevator. There's a lot of faith. We actually couldn't live without faith. We'd end up being completely paranoid otherwise and and paralyzed as well. So as a believer and as a Christian— we see faith focused on God. Our faith is, is defined a little more as a living or a bold trust in God's grace. So certain of God's favor that it would risk death a thousand times trusting in that grace. Again, as a believer, we think of faith as a living and bold trust in God's grace. So much so that we would not only risk death for it, but over and over again, we would trust it to the point of death. 
There's a great website called Legionnaire, a great organization, and they describe faith in there as God's work in us that changes us and gives new birth from God. It's John 1.13. It, it says that it kills the old Adam when we are born again, and it makes us completely different people. We are transformed. It transforms our hearts, our spirits, our thoughts, and all of our powers. It brings the Holy Spirit with it. That's right. It's a living, creative, active, powerful thing, this faith. And it's faith that cannot help doing works constantly. Think about that. Those good works that come out are from faith. It's something that doesn't stop to ask if it's good or the works ought to be done. But before anyone even asks, it already has them being done. And it continues to do them without ceasing. That's what faith does to us. That's that work, God's work inside of us that transforms us. I love Billy Graham's site. They talk about faith simply means believing in something that is true and then committing our lives to it. I love that, committing your life. Remember that, because that committing part is going to be really important. In the Bible, faith means believing in God in what Christ has done for us to make our salvation possible and then committing ourselves to him. So with that in mind, let's look a little bit deeper at what the Bible's definition of faith is. We have the famous verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is substance of things hoped for. It's the substance of hoping for something. And it's the evidence of things not seen. Again, evidence of things not seen. So we begin to see that faith is really important to the spiritual realm. It's something that is a, it is a deep element of the invisible realm, of the invisible God. It's the evidence of things not seen when we have that faith in God. But it's also the substance. If we, if we needed to have substance, when we hope for things, it's that substance. That's what our faith is. It's that hope. It's the substance of that hope. And we place our hope in Jesus Christ. We place our hope in the mercy of God. We place our hope in that grace that God gives us. And we do that, and when we do that, both when we do it and why we do it, is that that's the evidence of that thing that we can't see. That's that power of God. That's the Holy Spirit. That's his hand moving in us, transforming us. You can continue down in chapter 11 through Hebrews. On verse 6 it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So here's a great example of someone who pleased God. Because it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is a part of that relationship with God. It is, it is in tuned with that relationship. It is essential. It's part of it. It's the threads that make, that hold that relationship together is our faith in him. In verse seven, it talks about Noah and it says that by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear and he prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So starting in the beginning, we see that it was by faith that when Noah was divinely warned, by faith he moved with godly fear. He took action, respecting God 
and respecting what God had said to him. He took action because he respected him. And it was by faith because it was, it was something he couldn't see. It was something in the future. He couldn't see any evidence of it, but he believed God's word. And it was by that faith that with godly fear that he started preparing an ark. And it looks like it took about 75 years to actually do it. He involved his entire household. And he saved his household. And because of that faith that he had, he became the heir to righteousness. It condemned the world for their lack of faith. And he became the heir to righteousness, which is according to faith. What does that mean? Because there's a tight-knit relationship between righteousness as faith. And if we go back to Abraham, we begin to see the father of faith. We begin to see how God accounted that righteousness to Abraham for being faithful. So let's go back, look here. And he says that, and he took him outside and said, this is God. God took Abraham outside and says, now look to the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And then God said to Abraham, so shall your descendants be. Keep in mind, they had not had kid yet. And Sarah was well, well, well past the age of having children. And then it says that Abraham believed in the Lord and that God reckoned it to Abraham as righteousness. It seemed to be something that might even be impossible. But most importantly, Abraham believed God. He believed him. He trusted him. He placed his faith in him and believed what the Lord said. He believed his word. And because of that, God reckoned it to him as righteousness. Simply by faith in God's promises and by trusting God's word and taking action with godly fear, we are accounted righteousness, specifically his righteousness. So consider the gospel then. It's by faith in Jesus as our resurrected Lord and Savior that we are saved and transformed as blameless. Amen. What good news that is. And it's his, it's whose? Jesus' righteousness that we received by faith. You look at Romans 1.17, it says, For in it, the gospel, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Amen. There's something very special about faith. And the good news is that we're not alone in this journey. Because we can't justify ourselves through our own good actions or even follow the law. But instead, it's by faith. You can get this in your bones today. And we have the Holy Spirit ready to help us walk faithfully and then take action in godly fear daily. You see, God didn't just abandon us and say, good luck, go have faith. He gave us the Holy Spirit that's ready to walk with us and to help us walk faithfully. That we can not only have faith and work through that faith, but we can allow it to bear fruit, that we might take action in godly fear daily. Galatians 5.5 says, For we, through the Spirit and by faith, 
are waiting for the hope of righteousness. Ah, so it's through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. By faith, but through the Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit in us that we are waiting for the hope of righteousness. The hope of things unseen. That hope, that's our substance, faith. I love this fact that we don't have to do it alone. Isaiah, in chapter 40, if you look at verse 29 through 31, starts out and he says that he, meaning God, he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even when the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But all of that, it all comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. It comes from God. So what does it exactly mean to be faithful? Right? We're not alone. We have the Holy Spirit to help us with our faith and to be faithful well, I want to do a quick shout out and uh, thank Love Worth Finding Ministries. I love their content. I love their definition too, especially about being faithful. Faithfulness means steadfast loyalty. That isn't easily swayed. Again, steadfast loyalty, right? We're committed to one another and we are not easily swayed. That means remembering your why at all times. That why, why you're committed to that person. Why did you commit to that person? Why did you commit to God? Why are you loyal to your friend? And it's at all times you've got to remember this and continue to be loyal and not be easily swayed in times of difficulty or in times of suffering in times of hopelessness or times of complete exhaustion when you you can't go on, times when you're not appreciated by others, time when there seems to be no future or in times where there seems to be no answers, in times when you feel all alone. Faithfulness means steadfast loyalty that isn't easily swayed in these tough times. Faithfulness in our walk with God, we can see it, that especially when we look at the difference between God's faithfulness and our faithfulness. Because God's faithfulness to his people is not the same as our faithfulness to God. When God is faithful to us, he cares for us. And he leads us. And he loves us. He cares for us, he leads us, and he loves us. But our faithfulness to God means trusting in him and loving him through all circumstances, no matter what's going on in your life. Trusting in him and loving him. It means following his commandments, even when we'd rather choose a different path. Following his commandments, even when we'll be embarrassed to do it. When it's tough to do it. When it's painful to do it. When it doesn't seem right because following his commandments isn't fair. When we don't feel strong enough to do it when we feel pressure from other people to not do it, and when our flesh 
is tempting us to not follow the commandments. That's when we need to do it. Matthew chapter 25, 21, a servant was talking, and we're talking about a servant, and it says that his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. This was a servant who was faithful, even during tough times. You start out being faithful over small things, but as God sees that you're faithful through that and sticking with it, even during the tough times, he not only gives you the ability to be faithful over bigger things, maybe over other people, over tougher times or tougher situations, but he also calls you to enter into the joy of your Lord. The joy of the Lord. There is a reward for this. And when we're faithful to God, it means that we trust that he will not only care for us and that we'll follow where he leads, but we'll love him in return. Even if he leads us into suffering, even if he leads us into challenging times, even if he leads us down a path that's not the path that we want, we love him in return. Jesus was very clear. If you love me, you'll follow my commandments. Being faithful also means that there will be some evidence of our faith in God. A faithful Christian will often produce fruit. And you can see that in the fruits of the Spirit. Or in the fruits in helping others to come to know that same love for God. Luke 16.10 talks about where Jesus says that he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust in much. It's important to understand that faithfulness doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect or we won't make any mistakes. In fact, it doesn't mean that we won't struggle at all. In fact, what it really means is that even through those poor decisions, however, that we will continue to trust in God and we'll try our best to follow his commandments, even when life is difficult, even when we've just screwed up. We're going to do an about face, repent, walk away from our sin, make a commitment to the Lord And try to follow his commandments everywhere we go, even when it's tough. In our marriage and with our family, being faithful means something a little bit different. Our faithfulness in that situation to our loved one means means loving them even when it's difficult or even when they are being difficult. More specifically, even when they're being difficult to us. That's a tough time. But being faithful means that. And being faithful means that caring for them even when they're ungracious. Or they're unkind to you. It means thinking well of them instead of assuming the worst of their intentions. When they come out, instead of being loaded and ready to go, it means waiting each time to see what they truly intend and what they mean. And maybe clarifying, not assuming the worst. It means offering godly counsel and building them up when they feel weak. It means focusing on what God would call us to do. You know, spouses should be faithful to one another. And part of that faithfulness is avoiding adultery. But it's much more than that. Husbands and wives are meant to serve each other and love one another. Ephesians chapter 5, 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. God is calling us to serve 
our spouses, especially husbands that serve their wives as Jesus served the church. To give everything that you have, even in moments of frustrations and hopelessness, to give it all. And to call out for help from the Holy Spirit to empower you for the next step. And this is so important, especially when you don't feel like it. Because to encourage one another in God and actively love one another and patiently care for each other's needs, to do it when you don't feel like it, that's when the breakthroughs happen. And in our friendships, being faithful in friendship means offering godly counsel to them when they're doing something wrong or when they need advice, to carry each other's burdens and to remain loyal through the hardships. There's so many verses on this. In Proverbs 18, 24, it says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Ecclesiastics 4, 9, and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who's alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. John 15, 13, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And Proverbs 17, 70, a friend loves at all time and a brother is born for adversity. But Proverbs 27, 17 says that iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. That's what we are called to in friendship. Sharpen one another. Lift each other up during tough times. Point each other back to the God. Give godly counsel and to be there. Be loyal even when times are difficult. We're called to be faithful when we make promises. Continue. If we say we're going to do something, to be faithful in doing it. And in our responsibilities as parents, as children, as grandparents. In our responsibilities, we are to be faithful as God has called us to honor our parents, to honor our children, to take care of them, to put them first before our own needs. Call out to God for help. Because if you're feeling tired and you feel like this is a lot, the good news is you don't have to do it alone. You can do it by the power of God. God is telling us to call out, to ask the Holy Spirit, the indwelling God that's living inside of you, to enable you and give you the strength and the power to take the next step. In the toughest of times, that when you're feeling weary and you can't go another step alone, know that God is there to help. It's God's faithfulness to you that gives you the strength to be faithful. So for those of us who have never made Jesus our Lord and Savior and become a disciple of Christ, let's go back to Billy Graham's site on his definition of faith. And let's kind of... <clears throat> for those of us that have never made that decision to have Jesus be our Lord and Savior and you become a disciple of Jesus Christ, let's go back to Billy Graham's site. I, I just really love their definition of faith. It says that faith simply means believing that something is true and then committing our lives to it. In the Bible, faith means believing in God and in what Christ has done for us to make our salvation possible and then committing ourselves to him. In other words, Faith has two parts to it, and both are equally important. The first is to believe, right? It's that belief that God exists and that he loves us, that he sent his son into the world to save us. Faith isn't a vague hope that God might exist. It's this definite belief 
that what the Bible says about him is absolutely true. And the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. When you call out to him, he is faithful to respond. When you are earnestly seeking God, he is faithful. And that second part of faith is the commitment This is a definite decision not only to believe in our minds that Christ can save us, but to put our lives into his hands and trust him alone for our salvation. True faith not only believes Christ can save us, but actually trusts him to do it. The Bible says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. That's Ephesians 2.8. So I'm going to ask you, have you surrendered your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior from sin? And do you want to start serving Jesus today? Because it's written that there is none, not one, that is righteous, not even one. And that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory glory of God. All of us have. We have to admit that we are sinners and we're in need of a Savior. All of us. God is calling all men and women to repentance. That means to not only ask for forgiveness but to turn and go the other way from our sins. For the wages of sin is death. But God, this gift that God gives us is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He wants you just as you are. So turn your back on sin. Call on Jesus to save you. Make that commitment. Trust in him for salvation. And believe that he'll do it. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Just call out to God today in your heart. He will be faithful to answer. If you want to follow the Lord but you don't know what to pray, just repeat this prayer after me. God, I know that I'm a sinner and that the wages of sin is death. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, as a payment for my punishment. I declare that Jesus is my Lord and profess my faith for salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Thank you for your grace, forgiveness, peace, and gift of eternal life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, your next step is to dig into the Word of God. Get a physical Bible and download the Bible app on your phone. Read it every day without excuse. Look for a Bible-focused church to get connected with other believers that will help you grow in the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Just fill my heart with your love Help me share it with my brothers Help me show them you're the one And beside you there's no other Your 
has been a production of Coming Home Ministries. For more information or to reach us, go to cominghomeministries.net.